G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. On a Monday, we like to check in with the Australian Christian Lobby. Martin Isles is Managing Director of the ACL. He's back with us. Martin, a special welcome back to 2020. Good morning, Neil. Good to be back. Hey, Martin, let's get a focus, first of all, on Western Australia. An interesting development because Christmas is closing in. Uh, This is a time of year. Christians certainly celebrate the incarnation, uh, Jesus' birth, uh, laid in a manger, uh, Mary and Joseph. Well, Westfields in WA, including drag queens in Santa Photos. What's your thought here on this developing controversy? Well, this was a story that came out last week, uh, and it was an announcement by uh, Westfields uh, in Western Australia uh, to much sort of fanfare, and they thought it was a very good and progressive thing to do. Uh, they decided that they were going to have sort of pride-themed Santa photos uh, and that they were going to have the opportunity for Santa photos uh, this Saturday just passed to be done with the presence of drag queens and all the other paraphernalia you will often see associated with sort of uh, the pride uh, movement. Um, and I suppose it's a problem for two reasons. Uh, the first reason, Neil, is one that you just alluded to, which is that I know that Santa isn't Christian, but uh, he's not particularly offensive to the Christian nature of Christmas. Uh, whereas to bring in the pride element and the drag queen element is directly offensive to the purpose and the meaning of the holiday. Uh, and so it's, it's, it's really poor form and probably tone deaf to the realities of what Christmas is to be doing this. But the other thing is that it is another uh, creative way for activists to be bringing children and drag queens together. Um, And we're seeing that a lot. Uh, People, many uh, listeners will be familiar, for example, with this uh, phenomenon known as drag queen story time, where local libraries and schools and all of this will bring a drag queen in to sit down in full drag and read storybooks to children. And it seems really weird for the uninitiated looking on, thinking, what is that about? Uh, And what it really is about is, and this comes straight from those who invented the idea in San Francisco, uh, and it's gone around the world, but they say that it is about giving children queer role models um, and sort of something to aspire to or uh, something to normalise for children so that uh, they can see that it's good to be queer or that you know, uh, or that they can have queer people to look up to and be exposed to queer ideas and stuff like that. Uh, and that's, you know, drag queens are cross-dressers. Um, they tend to be highly sexualized in the way they cross-dress. Uh, they are actually adult entertainers. Um, their usual uh, sort of, I was going to say day job, but I suppose it's a night job, uh, is to be adult entertainers. Uh, and so it's completely completely inappropriate for children and I know that Christian families would not be in the business of actively seeking out uh, you know queer normalization or queer role models for their children but that's really what's going on here that's the goal it is to sort of change the minds of kids in relation to these sorts of concepts 
And the adult entertainment connection is really, really concerning. So we've always been opposed to the drag queen story times, and we're very much opposed to this uh, drag queen themed Santa photo shoots uh, because it's just inappropriate. It's got a close association with concepts that most parents are not really interested in exposing their kids to. Westfield have really, really missed the mark here on multiple, uh, in multiple ways. We've therefore been running a bit of a campaign to say to people who are living in Western Australia, look, get in touch with Westfield in Western Australia and let them know that that was not something that you approved of and it didn't do their brand any good in your eyes. Uh, and something like 4,000 people have already contacted Westfield in WA through that campaign. It's on our website, acl.org.au. But if there's public discontent and if it does not enhance their brand uh, and it causes upset, then they may not do it again. Uh, and I'd like to see it stop because I don't think that kids should be exposed to adult entertainers or to queer role models. Interesting, isn't it, Martin? And uh, you might have photos in your own family album that your parents had taken when you were sitting on Santa's knee in a shopping centre and you were just a small child and you grow up to adulthood. Every now and then you look back through those old albums and you see the photo of you sitting on Santa's knee. Uh, interesting, isn't it, to think uh, that someone has an initiative that, you know, kids getting their photos taken today uh, may well be looking back on these in 10, 20 years' time and uh, rainbow flags and glitter and drag queens in the same photo as your Santa photo. It doesn't really look good for, uh, you know, for the sorts of things that shape the future of a young life. Hey, I just wanted to ask you, though, um, many women are finding the caricatures of the drag queen to be quite demeaning. This seems to be picking up uh, pace. Any thoughts here in the connection to way these ways that uh, that you know drag queens associated with Santa actually even uh, demeans womanhood? Yeah, look, I completely agree with that as well, Neil. And uh, that is one ground on which uh, you know there are feminist groups and so on who completely uh, object to the drag queen phenomenon, and especially uh, the drag queens. Uh, being introduced to kids in various ways. Uh, and one of the grounds that they disagree on is not necessarily a Christian ground, although I think we share the concern, but it is that the uh, caricature of a woman which a drag queen uh, impersonates is a highly sexualized caricature. Um, you know, they exaggerate various anatomical features and so on, uh, and it is demeaning, and I actually completely agree with that, and I don't think it's a good role model of what a, of what, of what a stereotypical woman is uh, at all. And so that also is, I think, you know, it, it, it's, uh, it, it, it's not a good uh, seed to be sown in a child's mind. And, you know, the genius of this, Neil, is actually, I mean, it sounds crazy to us, but the genius of it is in exactly what you just said, which is a photo on Santa's knee is a little bit of a cultural thing. You know, it's something that everyone does. Uh, and, of course, they like to get the, the queer role models into those places where it's a cultural institution or it's a, it's a cultural habit. Uh, and, yeah, you're right. There'll be photos out there now with all queer-themed stuff uh, sitting on Santa's knee for Christmas. Uh, and that normalises it. Uh, that brings it into the family. Um, and that's the genius of it. And uh, I, I don't think anybody should be happy about it for a host of reasons, including reasons that may not even have a Christian, uh, an explicitly Christian foundation like the one that you just described. Well, as serious and as sensationalist as it sounds to be talking about drag queens and Santa and children's photos, it's not the most serious thing happening this week. Uh, perhaps the most serious thing might be around Christian schools being at risk in the Northern Territory. Uh, big developments this week. What's happening, Martin? 
Yeah, this is a, the Northern Territory is the latest state to make a move which is undermining the ability of Christian schools to uh, prefer to hire Christian staff. And uh, it's important, as I've said before, just to note that you, you can't actually have a Christian institution unless the staff are Christian. It's a little bit like you can't have a Liberal Party unless the people working for the party have Liberal values. You can't have a Greens Party unless the people working for the party have Greens values. And political parties can discriminate in employment for that reason, because they're a political party. Uh, And it's the same with churches and religious institutions. They've always been able to say, yeah, it's a Christian school. If you're going to come and work here, you need to be able to uphold and live by our Christian statement of faith, our Christian values, Christian faith is preferred. Uh, There's nothing unusual in that historically, and it makes perfect sense, because without that, you're not going to have your Christian school. However, there has been a move against Christian schools lately to try and strip them, not political parties, mind you, but just the Christian school, of their right to prefer staff who share their ethos. And we saw some stories break around the country. There was the story about City Point Christian College and you know, how bad their code of conduct was. And then there was another story about a school in New South Wales and how bad their code of conduct was. It was kind of softening up the public for a political move which a number of states are now pursuing, including, for example, Victoria, and the federal government is expected to follow later this year, or later next year, um, to remove this right to prefer Christian staff from Christian schools. The Northern Territory is the latest uh, state or territory, uh, as the case may be, to go down this path. There's proposed laws uh, that would do that. It's very, very serious, you know. I mean, all of the Christian school bodies uh, and the various churches up there are incredibly concerned about this because it's it really is the beginning of the end of, of really serious Christian schools uh, in the Territory. And there's been a great response from churches, from bishops, and various people getting together to express their uh, objection. People can join in that. I believe that there's actually a gathering in the forecourt of Parliament this afternoon uh, that people can go and join if they live uh, in Darwin. But also they can go online to acl.org.au Uh, And there is a campaign there where they can write to their local member of parliament to say that they want to save their Christian school and they don't like what's going on here. So that's an important campaign to be a part of and an important trend to be aware of going on around the country. And of course, as I always say, a Christian school is not separate from the Christian church. In fact, it's uh, it's like a subcategory of what church does, providing that schooling. So when you change the laws like this, Martin, you're creating these offence-based laws, and then anyone who feels a little bit offended uh, can lodge a vilification complaint. So there's an intimidation fact here, and uh, the thought, the sort of threat that there might be legal action over whatever you do as a Christian school. Any thoughts there on those offence-based laws? Because they are becoming much more common. Well, that's the other part of this law reform in the Northern Territory. So the first part is that uh, it's uh, it's removing the right of Christian schools to prefer Christian staff. And the second part is that they want to uh, bring in laws that make it possible for anyone who feels offended on the basis of some identity trait, like whether it be uh, their sexuality, their gender identity, or their, just their, uh, their, their gender or their religion or their political affiliation or whatever, if they feel offended, or racist and various others, people know the menu by now, I think, but if they feel offended on the basis of any of those things uh, due to the conduct of somebody else, then they can take uh, legal action. They can go to the Anti-Discrimination Tribunal. And, Neil, you raise a really good point, which is, well, 
if in a school setting something is said or done, or there might be a code of conduct in the school about, uh, you know, uh, about gender or about sexuality or about some Christian principle, and if somebody feels offence on the basis of that code or on the basis of what somebody does in the pursuit of that code, then all of a sudden they can go off to the, uh, the Anti-Discrimination Tribunal or the Human Rights Tribunal and start legal action. Uh, or even if I was to say something in a Truth of It video, or you and I would have a conversation here on the phone, and somebody in the Northern Territory says, oh, I feel offended on the basis of my identity attribute because of what you said or what you did, then again, they can go off to the Human Rights Tribunal or the Anti-Discrimination Tribunal and drag people who are making fair comment on public issues or people who are trying to uphold a Christian ethos in their church or their religious institution, they can drag them off to courts. Uh, and that's the other part of this law, and another reason why those who are listening who might be in the Northern Territory uh, should really go online and write that email to uh, the Parliament to say it's not a good idea, uh, or uh, even be part of that uh, protest, the details of which will also be available online. Okay, that uh, rally this afternoon in the Parliamentary Forecourt in Darwin, 4pm. Uh, some details at acl.org.au. Hey, Martin, uh, another huge thing that's happening this week, of course, the Victorian state election. It's almost upon us on Saturday. The majority of Victorians will head off to the polls. Uh, There's already been millions of pre-poll votes already, but uh, Victoria is off to the polls this weekend. What are your overall thoughts? Oh, dear. Poor old Victoria. Uh, And I think a lot of people living down there will just agree with that statement. The political situation is not great. Everybody knows that, uh, well, not everybody, but many Christians know that Daniel Andrews is uh, the worst political leader in the country when it comes to Christian values. Uh, He has a very, very strong anti-Christian social agenda, which he has enacted with blistering speed in recent years. Uh, everything from being the uh, health minister at the time uh, who brought abortion to birth for any reason to Australia in 2008 in Victoria, right through to more recent actions like criminalising prayer for LGBT people, even if they request it, uh, or raising the spectre of domestic abuse over parents who don't simply affirm the felt gender identity of their child, uh, and so on and so on, coming out and calling Andrew Thorburn's uh, beliefs and everyone who shares them uh, bigots. Um, it just goes on. He has enacted one of the most uh, astonishing programs of, of social reform in Victoria, which is profoundly anti-Christian. Uh, and so you've got that guy uh, as Premier. Polls are indicating that he is going to win the next Victorian election on Saturday. Uh, that is uh, a tragedy. It is true, however, that uh, when we've been uh, in negotiations with uh, the Liberal Party, the opposition, uh, and others as well, not just us, Uh, increasingly we are unable to find any actual policy difference between the opposition and the government on any of these social issues. Uh, The opposition has promised that they will not adjust those laws about prayer or domestic abuse. They have promised that they will not protect the rights of Christian schools to prefer, prefer staff who share their ethos. They will not do anything to unpick or change the incredible radical social agenda of the Andrews government. So you end up throwing up your hands in despair and saying, what are we supposed to do? You've got Daniel Andrews, whose evil is really in his strength. He knows what he's about. He knows what his social agenda is, and he's pursuing it doggedly. And he knows that it's anti-Christian, and that's what he wants. 
Whereas you've got the other side, and their evil is not in their strength, it's in their weakness. They simply don't have the moral courage to stand up against anything that is happening, to draw a line in the sand or oppose anything that is happening on the social policy front. So you've got two really bad options. Obviously, I would have to say that the Andrews government, uh, their record speaks uh, much louder than maybe just the weakness of the Liberal opposition. So, you know, the record of the Andrews government is truly bad. But the hope that we have is this. It is that in the upper house in Victoria, a few good minor party candidates might get elected. And if there's a few good minor party candidates in the upper house in Victoria after Saturday they can put a handbrake on the Andrews government social agenda. That's the hope. Uh, For example, uh, candidates from parties like Family First, parties like the Democratic Labour Party, the DLP, uh, look, even the Liberal Democratic Party, they're not great on social values, but they're very good on religious freedom, freedom of speech and things like that. So that's helpful. So if some of these minor parties could get into the upper house in Victoria, that could be a real check and a balance and a handbrake on the radical social agenda. So I just encourage Victorians to think about that as they're going to the polls and think especially about their upper house vote, because that looks like what it looks like that's what's going to make the difference this Saturday. Well, it's a little disheartening to think that, as you say, Martin Isles, on this coming Saturday, when Victorians go to the polls, they will be electing a lower house government that will be anti-Christian. Uh, the similar or same agendas as you describe, and uh, that having a balance of power in the upper house may be the only way to put some sort of a handbrake on some of these very woke anti-Christian bills. I note that on your uh, on your VictoriaVotes.org.au website uh, that you actually have a list of uh, all of the candidates who are ascribing to Christian faith. Uh, those many of those will be standing for upper house. Some of those will be in lower house seats too. But th- there's an awful lot of people who have mm. got a Christian foundation who are standing for election this coming Saturday. Yeah, that's important to note. Whilst the parties are in a bit of a terrible state, there are individuals uh, in the parliament or running for election who are really people of solid faith and value. And to get them elected could be really helpful over the next few years as influences within their parties. And so uh, I would ask people to go to that website. Neil, thanks for mentioning it, victoriavotes.org.au. That's an ACL website. And we do have a list there of those uh, candidates or MPs who are already in the parliament uh, who affirm uh, a strong Christian faith uh, and who seem to uh, have decent Christian values. Now, it's not an exact science. It, you can, you know, people are so varied and so different and, you know, no single person is the same as another. So it's not an exact science. Some will be stronger than others. But we feel like in the current situation in Victoria, uh, that's the, as good an indication as, you know, anyone's going to be able to give uh, as to sort of, uh, yeah, what to think about when you go to vote. So there's a, there's a handy list there. Uh, it's um, it's very simple, very straightforward, easy to easy to read. So just go to victoriavotes.org.au and people can have a look at that. It may be helpful, especially, especially when it comes to that upper house vote. Now, I know that you've had thousands of your ACL Standing Army volunteers who've been involved in letterboxing and making phone calls and all sorts of things. Uh, No doubt some will be manning uh, polling booths uh, for Christian candidates. Is there still room for a few more friends there to to stand up and uh, be part of getting a Christian elected? 
We are always looking for volunteers, Neil. Uh, it's interesting. We have more volunteers signed up and active in Victoria than any other state. So there's some encouragement for people who may be living on the ground in Victoria. There is an incredibly active uh, group down there that are going to be doing great work, not just this month, but also in the next four years to help equip uh, the Victorian public with the information they need to make smart decisions when it comes to voting day uh, next time as well. But uh, yes, there's always room, acl.org.au slash volunteer people can go to. Uh, and on that page, they can just fill in their details to volunteer. And you're right, we've had a huge number of volunteers fanning out into the suburbs and the streets of Victoria and Melbourne uh, and putting things in letterboxes, spreading literature, uh, especially around that minor party vote to try and draw out comparisons between some of those minor parties uh, and to show people uh, that there are minor parties out there that are prepared to stick up for family values and for Christian values. And it's those guys that we really need to see elected to the upper house. So, yeah, much prayer's gone into that, and we trust that that will have some effect on the voting public in the next few weeks. Well, it's all bad news in the lower house so far as a Christian perspective, uh, a glimmer of hope for the upper house, for Victorian listeners in particular, victoriavotes.org.au, to glean some of that detail and to go to the ACL website, acl.org.au, for some of those other campaigns in the Northern Territory or in Western Australia. Uh, Martin Isles, always good getting your insights. I want to thank you so much for taking some time to share those with us today on 2020. Thank you, Neil. Always a pleasure. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.